Hello everyone, welcome to Antibodies. Today we are on our 13th buddy sword and joining me today is Eugenio and Natalie. Hey guys. Hello. Thanks. Thanks for being here guys. This is a special day because after a long time we are discussing something that's not adaptive. We are discussing innate immunity. Whoa. <laughs> this, this will be a fun discussion. I I would say slightly outside my comfort zone but also still not that far. I I I wouldn't mind this as much. But before we start discussing the paper, I spent weeks all my time writing this masterpiece of a joke. And I I'm going to I'm going to present this to you. And I need genuine laughters. And if I don't get that, only God knows what I'll do. Because <laughs> So have I, have I intimidated you guys enough? <laughs> Can I tell you the joke? I'm ready to laugh. Okay, okay. Hit me with it. Okay, but it has to be genuine. Like I don't want forced laughters. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here here this. Hear me out. What did the virally infected cell say? What? Oh, you guys are intrigued, aren't you? Oh, yeah. It says it stings. Ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't I don't think it's uh, it's very genuine laughter and I also see in our statistics that five people unfollowed us right now. We got to stop doing <laughs> these jokes. I think it's hurting us more than helping us. But apart from the jokes and all the time I spent Before we start working on like we start discussing the results and the, what the article is all about we first need to talk about the basic terminology that anybody who is getting to read this paper should know about very minor terms so Natalie I'll let you take yeah. that Yeah well uh first first of all uh this is a paper from Immunity it's called Interferon Independent Activities of Mammalian Sting Mediate Antiviral Response and Tumor Immune Evasion and this is uh Shenzhen Wu out of Nanyan's lab at UT uh, Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas. So um yeah, this whole thing is about basically the the viral response. Um there's the way that a cell is supposed to detect when a foreign invader comes in has a lot to do with these uh we call them PRRs, their pattern uh recognition receptors. So there are a lot of things that just evolutionarily uh our cells have known are common risk factors that they're used to seeing like from viruses there's you know certain cyclic dinucleotides we call them CDNs and we have these receptors whether they're in the cytoplasm you know like your toll-like receptors um things like that they can uh bind to these specific patterns that are common in viruses and then they can do downstream signaling from that um Does anyone have anything else for Oh yeah, uh, pattern recognition receptors. So apart from the fact that they are evolutionarily conserved, they're I feel like they save a lot of time for the cells instead of cell figuring out mm-hmm. what it is, it's just a quick response. It's like a reflex from the cell. Yeah. And we have these sensors present throughout the cells in different compartments. They are in cytoplasm. You can find some of the uh, I guess uh NLRs are they in the cytoplasm? Oh yeah, yeah. nod like receptors. And we have endoplasmic receptors and endoplasmic sensors that are inside the endoplasm uh, I mean endosomal. Wait, endosomal receptors that are like TLR7 and 8, you'd find them inside endosomes when viruses hopefully viruses when they come in and fuse with the endosomes, that's where these can work. We have mitochondrial sensors like the MAVs and i don't know much about it except the fact that it's it's attached to the mitochondria and that's where it's sensing dna uh, nucleic acids and then we have the receptor the sensor that we are talking about today that's the main it's the it's yeah so this is sting stimulator of interferon genes which you know it's kind of funny that we're doing an interferon independent activity Or, yeah. you know the stimulator of interferon genes <laughs> but um basically uh sting sits on the uh, endoplasmic reticulum and if it's going to 
sense any cyclic dinucleotides as CDNs. Um, also, uh, GMP, AMP, that's, uh, they can sense and then uh, basically cause a whole downstream of signaling that will lead to interferon secretion. And that's the whole antiviral uh, approach to fighting off the foreign invader. Right. Yes. And one of the interesting things I was reading about this thing is that sync pathway is uh, activated in, you know, all enucleated cells can activate a sync and, and induce interferon by this pathway. But in comparison with uh, hematopoietic compartment, the hematopoietic compartment uh, relies more on two like receptors for producing interferon stimulated genes that, uh, that uh, sting. So as Jading says, uh, yes, uh, with these pathways, basically all cells can be protected. Well, they can protect themselves for viral infection. So yeah. it's really quite important. And in my classes of immunology, they did it to like long way to talk about this because I don't know. They think oh yeah, boring, I never, I was I never taught about this in my for. immunology class. I, I feel like maybe they just want to stay, stay away from this because it scares them. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I think we spent like two days on it or something. Oh. And it was just like, look at this knife pathway. <laughs> I have a feeling your professor works on sting or <laughs> has some... Yeah, it was like, yeah, she was... <laughs> but one um, thing, one thing with sting is that it has a sidekick. This protein doesn't work by itself. It has this sidekick called C-gas. And as DNA, uh, I guess, yeah, DNA comes in from the cytoplasm, the C-gas, it converts it into a cyclic dinucleotide. And that cyclic dinucleotide is what stimulates the sting. So without C-gas, this enzyme, uh, again, what is what does it stand for? C-G-A-M-P, A-M-P, cyclic G-A-M-P, and A-M-P synthase. Without this enzyme, sting would not work. So these two are partners and working together. So yeah, go. that's one thing. Although they don't talk much about this paper, but I guess they just assume, yeah, that's it's, it's required. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, cool. So we're talking about how interferons are, are going to cause the antiviral uh, strategy. So uh, there's actually a couple of different types of interferons. We're only going to be talking about uh, the type one, which is going to initiate the antiviral response and maybe talk to those nice CD8 T cells and your NK cells. Um, we have what? Interferon one alpha and beta. Yeah. And all those guys. Um, Oddly enough, interferon gamma is not a type one. Oh no, that's a right? type two. Interferon is. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> only, only type um, two. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Anything else on interferons? Uh, some. Just another type. I'd of say cyber. that these yeah. interferons, like some of the first, interferons are themselves danger signals because if they are secreted, that means there has been some damage around the cell. And interferons, they activate T cells, and most importantly, they activate B cells, because B cells they rely a lot, a lot on interferon alpha for their whole process of germinal center maturation. So that's something that's important. And you know, type three interferons, I would normally have no clue what they are, but luckily, <laughs> but luckily, I work sometimes with Tanu and. She, she works with noroviruses and it turns out type 3 interferons are, they are completely in charge of protection in the gut because you, you ah. don't see a lot of type 1 interferons in the gut. I mean, there is, but type 3, they're specialized for mucosal barriers So you would see. And they, they even have similar intercellular signaling pathways, type 1 and type 3. I would even say exactly similar pathways as far as I have studied them. but. The only way is where these receptors are found. It's the spatial differentiation that different between type three and type one. And type two now type two is something completely different though. I would say that's Yeah, I wonder why it can't just use the type ones in that context. It doesn't seem like oh, it's all that different. You mean you yeah. mean making a, a a different group for type three? No, I mean like why the cells themselves why did they go to all this trouble to, you know, make another set type three yeah. when it seems like type one is kind of similar, but yeah, it's, a, it's as if 
it's only in humans type tree, right? <laughs> or you can also find. I'm not sure. Oh no, you mice have type tree. Oh yes. Yeah, and it's it's as if our our like this compartmentalization that the gut or the enteric system should have its own specific cytokines that are helping in there. It just tells you how important that is because yeah, food digestion that is important, <laughs> and having yeah. commensal bacteria is also important. So all of that and type threes that's where they work on. Type two interferons. Well, I think type two. I find type two more of a bridge between adaptive and innate because type 2 they are definitely required for macrophage activation even t cells receive type 2 and mm -hmm. they're not as easily secreted as type 1 and type 3 so they have i think type 2 are slightly more regulated when it comes to their production all right cool well now digging into like the actual rationale for the paper so sting we know it's it's incredibly uh evolutionarily conserved and it's very important for identifying viruses within the cell um and stimulating the antiviral response so it's kind of interesting though um so in housing works is that it's actually um it has this part of the protein that is phosphorylated um and it's oh yeah and it's required for the recruitment of um IRF3 which is the transcription factor that's going to help you out with the type 1 interferon expression. But as it turns out, it's not that conserved considering how conserved the response itself is. So, it's basically only in mammalian and then some vertebrate things have that area on the protein. So, an unanswered question is what are the other functions of sting that are important to the immune system given that we don't see um this this evolutionary evolutionary conservation so um what they found is they they know that there's that one amino acid that is really important for the recruitment of irf3 and then they basically just mutate it in the mouse and that's that's the basis of this whole thing is that they're hoping that they can uh maybe isolate any other pleiotropic effects of sting using this particular mutant which uh from now on we'll just call that the sting mutant mouse mm -hmm. in comparison to a sting knockout mouse which would not have the sting protein at all do you guys know so, about any kinases that phosphorylated because i have no idea wait what kind of kinase would phosphorylate this residue oh man i just looked that up a second ago <laughs> <laughs> i also found out that There is a phosphomimetic mutant of this guy if you want to go by that. Oh, but only in cells, not in mice. So. Anyway. Yeah, that, that I mean I think it's TB TBK. Oh wait, PDK? Right? Really? Uh, oh, TBK. I th I thought TBK was downstream. Yeah, TBK. It wasn't a downstream of this. Which was for late thing. So stink somehow activates TBK1 which actually phosphorylates the oh. sting and then allows the binding with IRF3 yeah it says they form some kind of a yeah, trimer IRF3 TBK1 and sting yeah TBKs are also big in most of these TLR pathways because it, they go downstream of this uh the IRF4 and the TRAFs all of those combined together and TBKs are right there as well i feel a lot of times these pathways are converging because nf kappa b that is everywhere oh that thing is just That's... everywhere i need to make a meme out of that <laughs> dude you should um yeah my boss is in david baltimore's lab and there's just like so many of those people that left that lab went and worked on nf kappa b but there's one guy who came out of there and he literally asks how is it that nf kappa b can be involved in so many different pathways and still have any specificity like at all yeah right and he thought it was like a he thought it was like a temporal thing it was like there is there are almost like waves of of signaling coming off of certain receptors and that's how it's going to be like oh nf kappa b you do this now or you do this now <laughs> and it's this, this transcription so, factor is found inside the nucleus and then outside the nucleus and it keeps it's i think it's oscillating and this is some yeah, weird yeah. stuff but 
Anyway, anyway, so right. that was- anyway, we're we're talking about Sting. I know we're all very excited about <laughs> NF Kappa B, but no, go back to Sting. So, <laughs> all right. Um, I guess we're going into the results now. Uh, Eugenio, do you want to take it? Sure. Thanks, Natalie. So you know, uh, as Natalie mentioned, like I think the question was, what happens if with the pathway if Sting cannot be phosphorylated and you know bind to IR three and I mean, I don't know you guys, but I couldn't expect this result that we are, are going to, to read about. So what they did, uh, so they, they produced this animal that we're going to call stink mutant. And they, this animal um, were uh, born in a mammalian way. So there was actually not a immunity. They were not lethal. So they compare wild type animal stink knockout. Remember stink knockout is the animal that does not have the complete protein of stink. And you have a, a stink mutant, which does not have like this uh, serine that could be phosphorylated. And they were looking at two important uh, uh, cell types. They were looking at macrophages and T cells. So what they did was that they purified, uh, they took a bone marrow from these uh, animals and they derived to macrophages and they activate with an analog of, uh, of cyclic AMP for activating of the pathway. And what they look, uh, what they found is that uh, in the wild type animal, you, we see an expression of interferon beta and RG, which we would expect to see. In a knockout animal, we don't see expression of these uh, genes. And most interestingly here is that in the mutant animal, we see an expression of interferon beta and RG. So it seems that um, there are some ge these genes which we we thought at the beginning that was dependent of of IRF3, they were not, actually not dependent, and we see here uh, expression of these genes. And this is also happening with, I think, in macrophages and in T cells. Uh, but most interestingly, there are some genes that are actually uh, not affected, such as uh, NF kappa B dependent uh, genes. And Yes, I mean, the, the point here is that the same phenotype that they're looking at in macrophages and also in T cells. If I heard um, you right, you said there was no interferon beta and uh, IRGs in staying mutants, right? Yes, I'm sorry, I think I did it wrong, yeah, but uh, I'm looking at the, the paper now. Yes, so we don't see um, expression of interferon beta or uh, CXL10, which are some of the genes that mostly are associated with interferon. Uh, pathway, but there are actually some other genes that are not affected. So now the uh, the the authors you can uh, separate between some genes that are interferon uh, alpha dependent and interferon independent. Yes, I'm sorry. I this think, is uh, this is such a nice model. You got uh, you got these three groups. One group will have all sting activity. One group has no sting activity because no sting, and the third group has like absolutely half of, or not half, let's say interferon independent or IRF3 independent to be more precise activities because IRF3 cannot bind to this mutant. So I feel like they got the perfect mutant at their hands to study this stuff. Yeah, it's a really elegant system. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I mean, I, mean, I found really interesting that some of the genes that are interferon, interferon independent are like more associated with you know type two in type two or type one immune response. You, we see IL nine, IL five, IL twelve even. So I wouldn't expect to see that actually, you know, by uh, activation of this uh, innate pathway, particularly with viruses. Yeah, or at least I would mm -hmm. think that they are downstream of interferon type one interferon, but they're not. They're independent of type one interferons. Yeah. Yeah, so the summary of this uh, uh, very first uh, part, so mostly uh, all interferon gene signature was abrogated in these mutants, but uh, I mean the classical, but we can distinguish that there are some interferon uh, independent effects of the thing, which uh, apart from now, we're gonna uh, look at, I mean, uh, the authors look at this uh, uh, we're uh, focusing on this interferon independent uh, effect. So could could we say they are validating this model right here that yeah this thing is actually 
interferon independent since no interferon was made in this mutant yes let's talk talked about how like the macrophages had kind of a, a different response than the t-cells and the t-cells had more of the independent mm-hmm. uh response oh yeah and they're discussing that more in the next figure mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh, one thing just just the fact that they're using two cells ma- bone marrow derived macrophages and t-cell i i like this because most of the papers and even in our lab when we were working with pattern recognition receptors some tlrs we only look at either macrophages or dendritic cells there are very few studies that look at t cells because i guess we don't we don't associate these uh, pattern recognition receptors with t cells that much we think they are innate so must be present on innate cells must have their whole function dependent on innate cells but the fact that these guys are doing t on t cells and they even find very cool stuff that is well uh, pretty good pretty good science there they mention uh later on that the expression of sting is actually higher in t cells even though it seems like you know sting would be very much more important in like macrophages yeah. <laughs> so that i think that's a big reason why they look there is just the expression profile but... yes and and what they did was uh, i think was something really interesting uh when i was reading it that they they do uh, they did a bulkeronasic from these uh, bone marrow derived macrophages and also from T cells. And I'm just like, I wanna uh, briefly talk about uh, the result that they were looking at in the macrophages. So in the macrophages, they see that you know, most of the genes are um, interferon dependent. Mostly all the, uh, the up-regulated genes were mostly 70% were interferon dependent in comparison with the uh, with uh, 30% of interferon independent. And most strikingly, and this is also happening with the downregulated genes. So most of the genes are uh, downregulated uh, and interferon dependent. But I think the most interesting here is that when they look at the pattern of expression in the T cells, the T cells, the T cells have like a gene expression profile that is more interferon independent in comparison with the macrophage, both in the cases of upregulated genes and downregulated genes. And this is something I was really actually not uh, expecting because I always see at this pathway as an innate pathway, and I, I couldn't imagine that this could actually uh, induce yeah, an, it changes. Uh, yes, Change so dramatically on T cells. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe it's like. Oh, maybe it's just like a bridge between innate and, and uh, yeah, right. Adaptive. This thing, this thing, this thing is definitely not exclusive to innate. Even though we are taught about these things in our innate classes, definitely mm-hmm. not exclusive there. And something I wanted to talk about here is that after staying at a simulation, now just just from an obvious perspective, if I said that a pathway is getting activated inside a cell you would think that there would be more genes subregulated, right? You would think that there's yeah. suddenly a more a higher gene expression for a profile. There's a profile, but it turns out in this case, at least in bone marrow derived macrophages, there were 4,000, about 4,000 genes downregulated and only 1,000 upregulated. That seems like there is a blanket of, of inhibition that the macrophages are already under. And what the sting is doing is lifting that blanket which it sounds very strange to me, but that's what I would think about it. If I just, now, just from a very naive level, of course, each gene does different thing. So you can't just quantify 1,000 genes versus 4,000 genes, but still. Also, I, I don't know a lot about uh, BMDMs, but I'm sure that the conditions for deriving them may also put them in kind of a more uh, active position. Oh. just taking things out of the bone marrow and culturing them but I, I don't know um, no you're right that's also possible because a lot of times when these cells are taken out they are damaged and that's itself is a danger signal yeah so they could get <laughs> activated and that's true and, and put in a special conditional medium but um, so yeah yeah I, mean, I have like a really naive question so stink pathway is only activated with a viral infection right so if I'm a macrophage and I get infected, eventually I will die, right? The macrophage? So, 
see if, I, if yeah. I'm a, a macrophage and I get infected with the virus that activates thing I eventually will you know uh, yeah I, I hopefully at least and maybe it's a way to turn off all the gene expression profile and just to focus on some of the of the genes that uh, will somehow protect the, the, the whole system instead of you know hmm yeah possible yeah. or it's just turning off everything maybe maybe there but, but there's a lot of cell divisions uh, genes right so if you turn off all those cell division genes that's also a lot of genes i could imagine yeah i'm looking at the down regulated ones like mtor signaling like metabolism mm -hmm. like cell cycle let's make more of you trna charging let's make more uh protein like those all seem really related to just like, and they're all down regulated shrivel up and die yeah yeah we should just we should just die now yeah <laughs> and yeah we look at some of the expression of antigen presenting so yeah to you know to let the system that hey i'm infected just kill me yeah <laughs> and i don't i don't have much purpose for you but here i'm gonna snitch on this virus and tell you all that there's a virus around <laughs> and yeah now we're talking about the gene expression profile just i'm looking at uh, some of the genes that are upregulated in the in the t-cells and most of them are interferon interferon independent pathways and the genes that are upregulated are more associated with TH1, TH17, and IL2 signaling, as well as cell death and TCR pathway. So, and these yes, are all I think interferon independent, and these are all such important pathways: this TCR pathway, the T cell polarization pathway. I would have no clue that Sting could promote these pathways, and without interferon. I really like in the text they're like uh yeah we're wondering you know what the what the sting even does to these t-cells maybe the dna methylation and then you see all the other <laughs> pathways and it's like everything having to do with being a t-cell yeah <laughs> like come on and for something else that dna damage and cell cycle and trna charging if, if you look at trna charging that's how the amino acids are loaded on to the trnas and the fact that a cell that is infected by virus is soon going to be a virus factory, you turning down its tRNA charging and stopping translation, that's the perfect step. And that's what we yeah. see, down regulation of tRNA charging. Same thing, having reduced cell cycle, and that means the cells won't be dividing, the factories will be turned off. And the, uh, reducing DNA damage pathway, so I'm assuming you're not allowing the cell to repair its DNA mismatches. And as a result, the cell will go through apoptosis automatically, or just more prone to being going go, uh, program cell death. All yeah, these things makes like, complete sense. Like shooting the hostage, and then you know the virus has no leverage. Yeah, our, in a way, our immune system is very what's the word? <laughs> Brutal. Yeah, it doesn't care about collateral damage. Yeah, it's like if you're infected, you can. We're gonna eat you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So they, I'm, I just like, I'm, I'm more like a T cell guy. So, I mean, I don't know if uh, they should, I mean, they should have looked at like a polarization of these uh, T cells, like maybe in a TH1, TH2, or maybe TREC conditions. And upon activation of the thing, what would happen there? Yeah, that'll you be know? cool. I'm, pr I'm pretty sure they're going to do it yeah. for sure in, in a future study. You have the whole, your whole cocktail for TL per one polarization, but with sting agonist, and see if it helping it do more of that, less of that. That could be a good experiment. Yeah, I, I think this has a lot of implications on T cell biology and therapies, especially like CAR T cells, which we can talk about in the conclusion. But I, I think this is not the last we've heard about sting and T cells. Yeah. So, I think I don't miss anything from this. So. The next question, and I really like this uh, in vivo model. So, if we are taking out the, so we have this sting mutant, then what happened upon a viral infection? Which is really, really nice. I really like the, the in vivo models. And so they infect the animals with HSV, which is, uh, it stands for um, herpes simplex, herpes, yeah. simplex virus. Oh, yeah. HSV1. Another thing to, to note that the reason they have used is HSV1 because it's a DNA virus and only DNA viruses are 
the target for Sting because the cyclic dinucleotide is made up of the DNA nucleotides and not RNA. Thank, uh, thank you. So uh, what they did was they infect this, uh, the wild type, the knockout, and the mutant. And what we see is that uh, the, the 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 knockout animal for Sting they died earlier, but more interestingly that the mutant animal uh, survived even more in comparison with the knockout animal. And you know the wild type, yes, it survives more than the uh, Sting mutant, but it seems that it's more relevant that Sting mutant um, have Some like, a more, like a more uh, of a survival rate, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, just... compared to 100% mortality and 60%, uh, 40% mortality, that's something. That's an exactly intermediate phenotype. You and I, I know that HSV infection is a common model to use and all that but i just can't imagine like dying of herpes <laughs> that that is <laughs> man you must have a bad immune system if you were dying of that yeah right <laughs> and they they, they they these mice are dying when they just just the lack of sting nothing else it's not that these are scared yeah yeah they just can't they can't amount that nice antiviral response and i would even think maybe the sting is just this thing evolved for this family of viruses what if <laughs> Like, it seems so specialized to uh, fight SSV1. I don't know. They looked at uh, Vaccinia, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, we're going to... That's the spoiler. We're going to come to that. <laughs> oh, so sorry. No, I no. <laughs> so it doesn't only affect the survival rate, but also the, you know, at, 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 as expected, you have like more copies of the virus in the, uh, in the no-cut animal in comparison with the mutant and so forth with the with the wild type. So it seems that this suggests that interferon independent activities also play a role in antiviral infection, which I found really, really interesting. So the next question as uh, our spoiler uh, <laughs> is if it, this is all happening with all the DNA viruses. So they look at now at the vaccine virus infection and it turned out that both sting knockout and mutant animal were more susceptible compared to wild type. So it's not, you know, all uh, as Jading said, it seems that it evolved only for the, this particular type of virus. I'm guessing that if they should have looked at other type of DNA virus, we might see some of the results, uh, some of, you know, the same results as, uh, uh, as they do with the HCV infection, but yeah. It seems something really interesting that is, um, you know, virus specific. Yeah, Vaccinia doing yeah. absolutely, like, the mutant has no advantage over no knockout in Vaccinia. Compare that <laughs> to HSV where most of the mice survive uh, while oh, none survive. So it's, it also tells you that these viruses are so different. Like, on a molecular level, they're doing some very different things that if since I'm not a virologist, I would say all DNA viruses are the same, but I would be very wrong if I said that. Yeah, absolutely. And at the same time, this paper has changed the way I think about interferons. Because if you asked me before reading this paper, what's the main defense against viruses? I would say interferons and only interferons. But now I can say there are things apart from interferons that are coming out of sting, at, at least, that are still helping you survive a virus infection. Yeah. So we know that well, we we know that T cells have. I mean, from ba- various publications before, not that I knew of it. This was very surprising for me, by the way. But yeah, yeah there's actually a disease, and you have a mutation in Sting, and then uh, your your T cells die, and you get this horrible lung disease. It's uh, called Savvy. Yeah, Sting. Sting associated vasculopathy with onset in infancy. That sounds gnarly. Um, yeah, and, and that's that's something they know that it's due to uh, the UPR response and not interference signaling. So that's maybe another rationale why they looked in T cells was like there is a known human disease where sting in T cells is doing something else other than interferon stuff. And yeah, they knew that T cell that is interferon independent, and now they've got this perfect mouse model to check it out, and they do find that with sting agonists. 
they saw T-cell death in in the knockout, no, in, not in the knockout mice, but in wild type and mutant, mutant mice. So that means, yeah, mostly T-cell death from in sting is interferon independent. And none of the bone marrow macrophages died, which leads me to think that something's very, str very strange going on in T-cells. Like it has to be, it has to do something with maybe TCR pathway or maybe they're dying of inactivation. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. I think there's two really important unanswered questions here is like one, how is there any tissue specificity with sting? Like I have no idea. Mm -hmm. And then two, what are the, what is the protein interacting with that is lending it, uh, these other uh, effects, you know, especially in T cells. And that probably plays into the uh, specificity is just who are the players that, that is talking to when that happens. Oh yeah, you bring up a very good point. Like we know IRF3 is important for interferon dependent stuff, but what kind of transcription factor is coming into play for inter interferon independent? And also this disease you mentioned, SAVI, how come there's only damage in the lungs when T cells are dying? You would, wouldn't you see some kind of like complete skin? I mean, immunodeficiency? There's probably more, but it looks like it starts when you're a you're a child and i don't know you're probably breathing in all sorts of crazy things yeah i don't know so i just like uh, one question here regarding sting and cell death so they did the, all this experiment with tcr activation or just they stimulate with uh, the sting analog because that makes me think uh, tcr is one of the signals that actually can induce apoptosis so i don't know what would happen upon TCR stimulation plus adding this Oh yeah, I haven't seen that. I That'd be a good control. Hmm. Huh. Yeah, to, like to try to figure out what like the relevance of this pathway in T-cells. Yeah. So, hmm. yeah. so, um, so now uh, they look for, they, they move to a really nice model, which I really like because I do, I use this model in my lab. So, they uh, they tried uh, they all they knew that a tumor can induce sting mediated T cell death by secretion of cyclic GAMP. So what they did they did now a tumor model where they transfer uh, CDA T cells from wild type sting knockout and sting mutant into a rack one knockout mice. And remember that this mice lacks B and T cells, so it's you know it's only the mice with these T cells that are mutant for sting. And then they give them a tumor, whether a B16 melanoma or MC38, which is a colon adenocarcinoma cell line, and see basically how does uh, the tumor uh, grows and uh, how is the, the, the tumor respond there. So here really interesting, uh, the sting knockout animal, uh, the, 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 I'm sorry, the sting knockout T cells, uh, sorry, the, the animals that were transferred with the sting knockout uh, T cells have a, a reduced uh, tumor volume, right? And in comparison with the wild type and with the uh, with mm -hmm. the sting mutant, it, which it sometimes uh, 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 proved that uh, the wild type and the mutant are somehow not dying because activation activation. Oh wait, they are dying. They no, are sorry, dying. are dying because activation of sting and the sting knockout are not dying. That's why they are controlling more the tumor. And also, uh, this is only associated within the location of the tumor because uh, this is not happening in the draining lymph node, but it's all only happening in the tumor infiltrating T cells, where uh, they are dying more. No, they are dying more the, whether the mutant or the wild type cells in comparison with the. Um, with the knockout. Mm -hmm. uh, That's all. I, this is also a nice model to test because <clears throat> there are two things that Sting is involved with overall when it comes to survival. One is the viral infection. They've already tested that, that the mutant works good in HSV, but not so much in vaccinia. And the second thing that this Sting is responsible for, and in, in this case, Sting actually acts against ourselves, is helping the tumor survive because we know that sting allows T cell death. Tumors, uh, tumors use it to, and the funny thing is, t t tumors are secreting sting agonists. How? Why? 
that's such a cool adaptation well there i mean so if you have i don't know if it's an adaptation it's it's a byproduct of having really horribly messed up dna synthesis and mutations in in like uh, fixing your dna also that yeah so yeah so they can be kicking off just free dna at any time which is so upsetting and causes many problems um and obviously angers your immune system uh one of the things i found that was actually really interesting that they said uh they thought that sting the interferon dependent part was responsible for help bringing the t cell to the tumor and i didn't see much support for that and they don't really talk about it again other than that you don't see a lot of T cells <laughs> in the tumor in the sting mutant one so I, guess... I think they should look more into that it's like how is how are T cells recruited to a tumor weren't they citing some other study right that we know from some other study that interferons are required for recruiting T cells oh man probably citing because i don't think they would be making <laughs> that up that'd be a lot to make up <laughs> in a paper no 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 they don't cite it they say these data Ooh. suggest that it is a interferon dependent t cell recruitment and then once they reach the tumor the t cells experience sting mediated cell death independent of interferon signaling that's right it's like how can you say that buddy <laughs> yeah you don't you don't <laughs> carry out any migration experiments but yeah but i mean it's a really cool hypothesis and i bet There's yeah yeah there. yeah and they should say that it's it's a hypothesis in that case but yeah they they check in this in this tumor model and animals without sting they do much better than wild type and mutants this is contradictory to what i would hypothesize if i was hypothesizing this experiment i would think that if a cell is secreting nucleotides it's more likely to be activating immune cells wouldn't you think so yeah Yeah. I would think so too. It seems like a very specific pathway. So, you you just secrete CDNs and you only and only activate sting and that's how we kill the T cells. <laughs> so just finally they did this and these models with the rag animals and they now they did it with the complete animals where you have the wild type, the knockout or the mutant and now they're putting they they're adding the 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 tumor cells and they basically see the same phenotype right where uh, this is somehow an endogenous t cell model uh, and we see that uh, the same phenotype that in the uh, mutant animal you have a uh, more cell that in comparison with the sting knockout and this is only happening within the tumor and yeah basically um, Well, the the authors mentioned that this data uh, suggests that this cell recruitment to the tumor requires interferon signaling. This is something really, um, as as Natalie said before, I, I'm not quite sure how to interpret it. I, I mean, I don't see the experiment there, but yeah. And there are some uh, interferon independent uh, gene profile that might be uh, associated with the phenotype. Um, Yeah, uh, the conclusion of these figures would be that tumors can initiate T-cell death by sting in an interferon-independent mechanism, and therefore interferon-dependent activity is required for a robust anti-tumor response. Ooh. I think it's also interesting they did two figures that are like pretty similar experiments. One is just the endogenous and one is the, the transplant one, so it's like you've got a, a cell intrinsic you know showing it's definitely the T cells and then one that's like the whole knockout yeah that's that, that's what's a good it's, model it's, it's interesting but like they could just put it in one figure i don't know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well they spent six months for that assuming in that case we do want yeah actually <laughs> yeah well, this is good work and once again they only look at cda T cells in the in the total knockout so i mean i would like to see what happened with the other yeah but yeah i mean that makes sense though the cd8s yeah you would think that they are the ones killing yeah and all, they're looking all, first although you yeah. also have like where they transferred with because you need help from cd4s through the apc to get the cd8s going and hmm yeah that's well they only it it works but <laughs> <laughs> well it's what works 
Who? So right. we got we got we got this. I would say a simple, straightforward paper, and but the but the things I've learned from this paper they're enormous. It's changed the way I think about these innate pathways. Because we just learned we we just learned that sting and this this antiviral sensor this nucleic acid sensor works without can work without interferons uh, in a lot of ways and these interferon independent activities can affect both viral replication can help in fighting viral replication viral infections and at the same time it's also used and exploited by the tumor to um, evade immune response there there are some serious implications from this study i bet this is going to make it is either it could make it as a possible therapy maybe staying antagonists yeah. for cancer therapies or we don't we don't know of course this staying is not of rna it's not for rna viruses so i wouldn't say it's going to be a covid therapy or anything like that but <laughs> but who cares i, I mean well, who knows maybe there is a component of it that's involved with rna i'm not i'm not a virologist again this is the card i show whenever i want to have anything unclear about viruses what i think that's really cool is that uh, so in terms of immunotherapy cancer immunotherapy like we know that pd1 uh you know that's been an insanely popular immunotherapy it's very effective for you know getting your t cells to do their job mm -hmm. so here we have the sting inhibitor possibly as a good immunotherapy um and that's again the more innate side so that's a totally new way of thinking about things uh, they do mention that like if you just gave someone sting inhibitors that would probably be like very detrimental mm -hmm. but if you could just knock it down in a t cell and personally deliver that to a t-cell i think that would be really effective and i think the, the best context for this and probably i'm sure they're already filing patents left and right mm -hmm. uh, is to do it specifically in car t-cells where you already have an engineered car t-cell that you're going to inject into somebody just knock down the sting in those guys and then they'll be better uh, imagine all the changes the car t-cells are getting like they keep getting engineered <laughs> After a point, they're not even human. <laughs> they're just. <laughs> I just. I just imagine, you know, Osmosis Jones. Um, these guys would be like cyborgs. They'd be like <laughs> <laughs> super cops. <laughs> Who? How can we summarize this paper? Let me try. If somebody was not paying attention for the last 15 hours that we were discussing this, actually, it was shorter than that. It's one of the shorter episodes we have done. Who? We know there is a pattern recognition receptor in this uh, that's usually present associated with the endoplasmic reticulum. We call it sting. Sting has interferon-dependent signaling and interferon-independent signaling. And can these pathways be biased over one another in different contexts, in context of tumor? Well, in tumor, the two, two tumor lines that they suggested, it seems like the independent and dependent did not matter. They were both favoring the tumor. But when it came yeah. to viruses, HSV1 infection could be cleared partially with interferon-independent pathways, but not for vaccinia virus. It clearly required interferon-dependent pathways. So that's something. Then we know that T cells respond mostly by interferon-independent pathways. And that's why if you are measuring sting stimulation on T cells, you should not be measuring interferon beta as an output that would be inaccurate and how is how is t-cells i mean how is sting tissue specific i don't think they have answered this but could be something cool for a next paper uh, a next paper and they also show that t-cells have more expression than bone marrow derived macrophages that means when we talk about sting maybe t-cells should get just as much importance as macrophages i don't know about tlrs maybe t-cells are and b-cells they're also expressing as much tlrs as macrophages <laughs> i think it's important that uh you know as people who work on the adaptive immune system maybe we should pay attention to more of these innate things like sting yeah clearly pay a role and then we see that tumors can exploit sting activation and interferon independent pathways as well as dependent pathways and sting inhibitors could be used as immunotherapy 
but they have too many side effects so i'm guessing sting inhibitors could be in i think it could be a dose thing like maybe low doses and in conjunction with some other existing therapy would work and as natalie suggested maybe knockdown in car t cells because we are already messing up those car t cells <laughs> why not go <laughs> for another gene yeah and you yeah, maybe you could mm-hmm. sorry so i was thinking about the 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 side effects of sting at least for t cells but you could also have like sting inhibitor as well as il2 you know like you know like as it seems as sting will induce that but it also sting activates some other uh, t helper uh, phenotypes but maybe if you, by adding like some some cytokine or some signal that will uh, allow the survival of the t cells so you may, maybe well, I mean, we could, we could mm-hmm. find, you'll probably already be treating them with uh, pd1 possible. inhibitors oh for sure yeah exactly <laughs> Alright. That was it for the discussion. Any last words? Uh, c- can I tell you guys why it was so hard for these authors to define a novel mechanism of sting? Uh, wait. Is it is it really telling a joke? Uh, yeah, just go ahead. It it it, it it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's because serine 365 was interfering with their research. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> wait i'm looking at statistics 10 followers gone we gotta stop this thing guys <laughs> people clearly are not listening to us for the jokes <laughs> but yeah this this is a very nice paper i like these papers where i can take away a message and i know i'm gonna remember that for a long time because this is something yeah. that I will not forget easily that interferons and non-interferon pathways in T cells this is not what I had originally expected and a lot of my perception about T cells and sting especially have changed after reading this paper and thanks Natalie for just suggesting this one oh, of course and with All that right. let's uh, wrap this episode Thanks guys for joining. This was a pretty cool discussion. Thank you. And we are by the way we are going to have our antibodies anniversary. The first episode of antibodies was on 28th Aww. October 2019. So this is it's always all, almost one year. And we got to do something special for that. I just don't know what. Maybe a monologue or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Hmm. That'll be cool. Everybody listening to this please check us out on Facebook sometimes we post valuable information other times we post nonsense memes you can also <laughs> check us out on Spotify Google Podcast Apple Podcast wherever you're listening to it and we will see you all later bye 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 bye